when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we just pray that you will open up your word to us and that as you open up your word to us, your spirit will move in us and around us and that you'll speak to us in the way that only you can speak to us. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Maybe that way will work. So I have to be honest, I did struggle a bit this week as I looked through the lectionary readings, and I thought about this week's message, and I thought, how am I going to present something that's so well familiar in a new, new way, um, in a fresh way? And so I thought, well, maybe for, for Lent, we 
we should choose a word. Uh, you know, like repent or, or baptize or the cross. And so for each week, we'll have a different word and, and see how, what does this word mean to us and how does this word apply to us and how we can take this word forward. Um, but seeing that we, we are in Lent and we are on the journey towards the cross, I was kind of prompted to say, well, why don't we do the seven words on the cross as our journey towards a Resurrection Sunday? And so that's going to be our theme um, for this Lenten journey, the seven words on the cross. And so it said that, and we know that, for everything that has a beginning, there must be an end. Everything that has a beginning, there must be an end. According to the theologian and the author, Greg Laurie, we will all have our last meal. We all will at some stage have our final words to say to family or friends. Of course, we will have our final breath on this side of life. And this is the difficulty. No one knows. No one knows when the end is coming. But it is coming. And that's a given. But Greg Laurie seems to suggest that our final words is going to be a true reflection of who and what we were about. That's going to describe us, who we were and what we were about. An unknown author said that words are like the window that allows us access into the speaker's mind. Words are like windows that allows us access into the speaker's mind. Who agrees with that statement? One or two, three, four, a few. Some disagree. There is some truth to that. I think there is some truth to that. You can Google it. Famous last words. You look at guys that sit on death row. And you can see some of the things <laughs> that they see. There are some hilarious things. And there are some things that are not so hilarious. But it speaks of who they were and where they came from. You can Google some words that were said by some very famous people that really described them, who they were, where they came from, what they were. Story we just read. There were two men hanging crucified next to Jesus on the cross. Both criminals. Both deserving of the punishment that they got one hanging on the left, one hanging on the right. 
One, all insults at Jesus, blaspheming him. He remained unrepentant and died within his sin. The other man, deeply aware of his own sinfulness and his guilt, cries out to Jesus, asking him to remember him when he gets into his kingdom. This man's words comes as he is dying on the cross. I'm sure he must have believed that Jesus has had a future beyond the cross. He must have believed that God would have been merciful to sinful human beings like himself. Otherwise, why make the request in the first place? No point in doing it at all. Then, of course, there's Jesus. Jesus speaking his last words on the cross as he was dying. Now, I think we need to understand that when you were sentenced to die on the cross, did not mean that it was going to be easy, and it did not mean that it was going to be quick. Death on the cross was a public display of shame, intense pain, and torture. All the whipping, all the beating, did not kill the unfortunate victim. In fact, the, the, the cross itself wasn't this huge monstrosity we think of. It was actually a teepee with a little platform where you probably could only get your, your heels on. And it was most probably not higher than that from the ground, probably chair height. And that would have been the cross Jesus was crucified on, hanging on that. And so death was very slow. It was agonizing because death was through suffocation. And as Jesus was hanging on that thing, legs would give him, slump forward, pressing down on the lungs. If he wanted to breathe, he had to stand up so the lungs could get open, so he could get air into the lungs until the legs could no longer support him and he would slump back forward. Bearing in mind, he's got nails through the feet, he's got nails in the hands. It would have been excruciating. It would have been immensely painful. Now try to speak in those circumstances. It is humanly, humanly, I don't know how he did that. Only the divine can do that. But what grabs the attention is the words Jesus speaks 
when he speaks. Hanging on that cross in agony and pain. Because there's no words of anger, resentment, or slightest indication that he wants to get back at those who caused him any hurt or anger or any injury. Instead, what we see Jesus doing is that he prays as his custom was. Jesus is seeking the Father's face and the Father's presence in the middle of the most terrific moment ever imaginable. And then he prays a most extraordinary prayer. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I wonder how many of us put in the very same circumstances will pray that very same prayer. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I would imagine our human nature would be, to, the first thing we would want to do is Cry out for help. Please save me. Get me out of this place that I'm finding myself in. Send your angels to come and save me. Because I do not deserve to be here. I did not do anything wrong to be here. That would be our nature. We would cry out to come and punish these people who had put us into this place. Send down your holy angels and smite them off the face of the earth. I want my vengeance and I want it threefold. Deal with my enemies, please. Because I cannot do that. But you can. That's what we want to do. Not Jesus. The words Jesus speaks are the windows that allows us access into the heart and into the mind of who Jesus is. The one who comes to reveal the grace, the love, and the truth of who the Father is. Jesus who actually blesses those who beat him and drives the nails through his hands and his feet. It would have been so much easier just to condemn than to show any signs of kindness. Yet Jesus shows them incredible love when he prays for the people we're supposed to have known who he was. They were supposed to have recognized him as the Messiah, but they did not. He came to his own, 
but they did not recognize him. They were unable to identify him as to who he was. Jesus prays, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I said Wednesday night for those who we hear, it's often said that forgiveness is free, but forgiveness is not free. There's a costliness in forgiveness. Because the one who receives the forgiveness might receive it as a gift. They might receive it for free. But the one who grants the forgiveness does so at a cost. The one who has to forgive has to let go of their right to want to hold on to their feelings of anger and resentment, hatred and fear. The one who forgives has to make that deliberate choice to let go of their right to want to get even and settle the score. Where they have been wronged, they choose to repay in kindness for the bad that was done to them. Instead of focusing on those things that creates division, seeking forgiveness will focus on those things that brings unity, that brings together they will try and find ways where broken relationships can be restored. Where those who are on the outsides and the margins can be brought back into the community life. Forgiveness is about wanting absolute best for the one who was responsible for the cause of anger, hurt, and pain. And for that reason, we need to let go unconditionally of those things so that one who receives the forgiveness can receive it as a free gift. Forgiveness is costly comes at a price. It's always going to cost the one who grants it something. The one who receives it, receives it as a gift. I also must say that there's a difference between forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry. It's a huge difference. Being sorry does not necessarily mean that one is remorseful. I can come in late for church. I can say I'm sorry, but I don't necessarily mean it. But I can come late and I can say, please forgive me. Because I know that I have 
caused a lot of inconvenience to a lot of people. And I can really be sincere, and I can really regret of causing that inconvenience to a lot of people. There's a lot of difference there. Jesus shows us through his spree also that no one falls outside the scope of God's love, grace, and mercy. And the reason why is because he knows our very makeup. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the things that trips us up, the sin that's present and ruling within our lives. He does not pray, as I said before, that the angels, legions of angels of heaven comes down and just wipe us off the face of the earth. He doesn't pray that the Father's anger comes and burns against us and he totally destroys us. He prays. He goes to the cross. Takes what doesn't belong to him because of his great and infinite love for weak, human, sinful beings like us. And he prays. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Perhaps this is our invitation. This is our challenge, to pray. Pray like Jesus prayed. Pray for those we know and those we do love who is in need of God's divine hand of intervention and blessing on their lives. We pray also for ourselves because we know how much we need God's divine hand of intervention and blessing on our own lives. The French Archbishop Francois Fenelon, back in the 1500s, 1600s, said, Tell God what is in your heart. As one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains, as one would to a friend, tell him your troubles, that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys, that he may sober them. Tell him your longings, that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes, that he may help you to conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations, that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart, that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference for good, your depraved tastes for evil, your insatiability. Tell him how self-love makes you just unjust to others. How vanity tempts you to
to be insincere. Now, pride disguises you to yourself and to others. Pray. Pray and tell God about everything. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, it is hard to imagine the journey that you took, the pain you endured. And everything you did for love for us. And in all that you did, Lord, there was no sign of retaliation. No sign of anger or resentment. But your prayer was a prayer of forgiveness. prayer of, of love so that we may receive freely your gift of grace. And so forgiveness is costly, Lord. With grateful hearts, we, we receive, we accept that costliness, costly gift. May your spirit move within our hearts. May it wash us, clean us, purify us. Draw us closer into your loving presence. And Lord, as you forgave us, May we with the same grace, same heart of love, extend the hand of forgiveness, grace to those who have hurt us and wronged us. May that same love that you have extended to us May we also extend it to those who have wronged us and hurt us. So that we once again can be a community of people, friends, family, where once again relationships are restored. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.